welcome to To Be Continued, a Stonecraft Symposium podcast. On today's episode, Jade Bayard-Peak and Faye Johnstone share stories of queer and trans organizing in the city, along with the challenges and hopes of solidarity work. Welcome to another episode of To Be Continued. My name is Anna Shahak, and this podcast series acts as an extension of To Be Continued Troubling the Queer Archive, an art exhibit co-curated by Cara Tierney and myself that's taking place September to May 2021 at the Carleton University Art Gallery. The show and today's conversations both take place on unceded, unsurrendered Algonquin territories. The intention of this show is to amplify, honor, and celebrate the realities of queer, trans, Black, Indigenous, and people of color. It's been a complex series of relationships to unpack and examine and navigate when we turn to our interactions within and with institutions and galleries, sites in which histories of power, inequities, and oppression have materialized and legitimized discourses that produce a monolithic uniform telling of history, memory, and community. Thus, we are tasked to look at the archives through a critical lens and turn our gaze to see what stories are pushed out, subsumed, or outright erased from mainstream knowledge productions. As such, this show is specifically designed to think through what intervening or interrupting the archives can look like. Today, I'm excited to share space with folks who've worked to center the everydayness of queer and trans communities in the context of Ottawa. The theme is all about queer and trans archives and community. How are stories of queer and trans lives generated and shared? What does it mean to produce archives when the mainstream erases or displaces these histories? The show comes out of a desire to contribute to archives of queer, trans, Black, Indigenous, and people of color to center community and to reorient our relationship to space, place, and memory. What challenges are presented to queer and trans communities and how do we imagine alternate visions of our communities that are not always reliant on mainstream recognition? How do we share and breathe life to each other so as to anchor ourselves in ancestors who have crafted and shaped our presence and our presence? What can queer and trans joy look like? With that said, I'm going to ask each of you to introduce yourself. Faye, would you like to go first? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, hi, everybody. And uh, Anna, thank you for having Jade and I here today. I think this is a, a, a conversation we're really excited for. Um, so, my name is Faye Johnstone. I use she and they pronouns. So, either one is good. Mix it up. Keep it fun. Um, and I never know how to introduce myself. And I am always awkward and terrible at it. Um, but I do like 2SLGTQ related organizing, advocacy, um, and a lot of work specifically around. Um, you know, building community spaces and advocating for improved mental health supports in particular. I think I'll leave it at that. Okay. Jade? Uh, Anna, Faye, Walali Oak, Kwekwe Delisi, Jpeak, Delewik, Chupuktuk, Megmagi, Wabanaki. Hi, friends. Uh, uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, really excited for today. Um, a bit about myself, I'm an African Nova Scotian and Ilnu uh, woman, originally from uh, Jibuktuk, uh, which is now known as uh, Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia. Uh, and uh, I also uh, am a community organizer, uh, a performance artist, um, as well as a curator. I like to wear many hats um, and uh, sometimes get lost in them, uh, but I, 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 I do aspire to be, you know, um, a, a person who creates spaces 
um, and, and using that as an art form and as an art practice. And so uh, that's sort of how I see myself these days. Um, but again, that's always in, in flux uh, as many BIPOC and QT BIPOC folks are. Thanks, Jade. Thanks, Faye. Um, I think uh, I would love if um, each of you first started with just saying, you know, giving us a little bit of background as to how did you come to be in like the Ottawa context? Um, and then we'll go from there. Jade, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, um, it's a pretty uh, interesting, funny, um, but a little bit, uh, a, a little bit based in trauma. So I, I won't, but I won't be explicit, but I will give a trigger warning about depression. Mm. But I, uh, I had uh, prior to, I, I had moved to Ottawa in 2018. Uh, I had won an election for the Canadian Federation of Students as the deputy chairperson. Uh, and that required me to move and uproot my entire life in Nova Scotia uh, and, and, and come to, to Ottawa. Um, and prior to that, I, I was a, a main community organizer in, in the city. Uh, I was in the midst of my art practice. I was just finishing uh, my degree at, at Masked University. Uh, I was teaching at institutions um, and really working with QT BIPOC folks specifically um, in implementing intersection of feminism um, in, in a lot of the white feminist movements um, and a lot of the transphobia that was um, prevalent in Nova Scotia. Um, it's, a, it's a very large turf community um, there. And so a lot of us, um, there was a lot of community building and community spaces that were being built in order to um, support each other. Um, and at that time, I was living in a trans house, um, a BIPOC trans house that was created and, and curated uh, by each participant who would live in this house. And, and we would try to create extra rooms and spaces for trans folks that were homeless and able to sort of find community. And, and, and so for me, um, leaving that place, um, you know, and, and sort of moving that behind to um, do advocacy in the student movement, um, was was in a place where I was at my most depressed period of time. Uh, came to Ottawa. I had come to Ottawa several times uh, in the, over the past three years due to having various positions um, in CFS. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time in my own student union mm -hmm. um, fighting for advocacy, very much based off the frustration that uh, I was going to an arts institution. Um, which was five minutes away from a black community. Um, and yet I was one of three African Nova Scotians and out of probably about 13 black people in total um, that went to this institution. And there was no, uh, until now there is, but there wasn't any African uh, Nova Scotian, let alone any African methodologies or any sorts of histories that were there. Um, and there was only recently one indigenous studies that were offered at the institution. And so my frustration of sort of lack of seeing my people in post-secondary sort of got me really into this, this, this student movement uh, route um, that became something completely different than what I intended it to be, both for worse and, and for better in some cases. Um, but it sort of led me sort of here in Ottawa um, and, uh, and, and sort of, you know, and, and I made, a, a, I, I ran an election, um, as, as a populist for, in the student movement, mm -hmm. I didn't expect to win. I was depressed. I was yeah. encouraged to go by a lot of white people saying, you should run, you should run, you should run, you should run. Uh, we love your voice. Uh, Cause you know, I, I was frustrated by systems that were just not saying one thing, but not doing the exact thing that they were saying that they should be doing. And I want an upset election. 
And so it sort of, I couldn't back out. <laughs> so I had, so, so I had um, moved, you know, moved my life. Um, uh, my cigarette addiction increased. <laughs> I've quit now. Um, but at the time we were, you know, it was, it was quite difficult. And I had moved across the province and, and arrived in, 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 in Ottawa, as I've always lived in, in Jabuktuk, in, in Nova Scotia, uh, in Halifax. And so, um, I guess that's try to the short version of it is that yeah, in 2018 won an election and I've been here ever since. Wow, that's a lot. Oh, to to like it's hard enough to move away from what what is home, um, but to have to navigate so much of it like um, fairly alone uh, in the midst of like a, a lot of like mental um, stressors. That's that's tremendous, Jade. Um, I'm going to come back to you because I definitely want to know a bit more about those, um, the first moments of being here or trying to figure out community. Uh, but I'd love to hear from from uh, Faye. And what about you? Like, how did you come to be in Ottawa? Uh, or perhaps uh, are you from Ottawa? I, that is a great question. So I, I am not from Ottawa, though. It, it feels like home um, more than any other city has because I've been here uh, I've been here since I was in grade six, so I'm 25 now, and I think that res- comes together to be about 13 or 14 years or so at this point. Yeah, um, which feels uh, a lot longer than it, which feels <laughs> shorter and longer than it is. Um, but I, I came to Ottawa specifically um, because I, my my parents are both ex-military, mm-hmm. um, and so like I was born in. Fredericton, New Brunswick, and, you know, from there, you go wherever the military sends you. Um, And so my family, we didn't jump around a ton, but we did a few, a number of, like, in Canada kinds of moves. Um, And the last one, of course, was a posting to Ottawa. Um, And so we came here. My parents eventually retired from the military. um, And I've been here ever since. Um, I don't know why I'm still here. Like, I I like it here. I think I'm more here because I'm here than because I had a specific desire to be in any particular place. Yeah. Been able to jump, you know, I grew up in Orleans in the East End and moved down in my late teens, if I recall correctly. I was like 19 or 20 um, and have enjoyed living around and in Centertown ever since. Yeah. Uh, I know that it's very different having grown up in the suburbs uh, and then making the sort of, I imagine it to be quite different. I haven't ever lived out in the suburbs, but the transition between the suburbs and center town and how and what community looks like or feels like. Um, uh, what, can you um, expand a little bit more about what that transition looked like for you, having um, having been mostly out e- on the East End and then coming to more of the center Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think more than anything else, um, I think the transition was, um, you know, I moved out of my parents' place and I was, you know, fortunate enough up to that point to, you know, my parents are middle class and fairly cozy folks. Um, and so like I moved out with a lot of life skills lacking that one normally would have, or that like folks who didn't come from that kind of experience would have. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I can remember my first night in a like tiny apartment downtown in downtown Ottawa. Um, I was living in somebody's living room, actually. Like I, I um, put up a curtain to make it 
instead of a door. Um, and so my, my first like six months were very much like, oh God, how do you cook chicken? Um, <laughs> like how, how, like what, like how do you, what do you do so that it doesn't like kill you when you cook it? Like I know that there's a whole thing about meat, like very much like imagine somebody who has never, like I didn't know what I was doing and nobody knows what they're doing when they're 20. Like I think that's a pretty fair statement. Um, <laughs> like, you know, I think I spent the, the, the transition was most marked by me trying to figure out a where the nearest pizza pizza was and b um, what it means to, you know, cook food in general. Yeah. But more like culture, I think like, you know, shifting downtown brought me closer to people um, that I related to. Yeah. Closer to community brought me closer to um, the spaces and places that I wanted uh, to be connected to. And so, you know, I think um, the suburbs are. Um, I, I like to lovingly call them fairly bland and fairly <laughs> like, you know, it, it's cookie cutter. Yeah. And there's, you know, a, a lot of nuance to that. And it's probably not a good thing that it, that suburbs are what they are. Mm. But um, I think the downtown experience, um, you know, I, I love the culture that we have. I love the community that is possible when folks are like located near each other. Like there's a whole thing in Ottawa, like Centertown gays who are, all of our friends are like eight blocks from our own apartments. Right. And I, I love those kinds of things. Yeah. There is something about the intimacy of the, of the geography of Centertown that feels, even if you're not necessarily, I mean, especially with COVID, there is no necessarily physical proximity as much as it sucks, but there's some, there's a sense of feeling that you are close to your, you're like most um, the, the most center of the humans that you surround yourself with. Um, and there's something comforting about that, even when we aren't able to have that physical proximity. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Thank you for that. Um, Jade, I'm wondering, like, you know, um, you signal to being a young black Mi'kmaq person coming from the East Coast context and um, the East Coast itself has, uh, and you've, you've made mention of this, you know, such a complicated history in terms of like African and indigenous histories um, and, and having to grapple with like uh, um, institutional racism. And um, what does it feel like to inherit the ghosts of a city, like coming to Ottawa with its own set of hauntings, but you're bringing with you this other archive, right? How do, what sort of challenges um, did you encounter? What stories did you find as, uh, as a Black Mi'kmaq person in the context of Ottawa didn't adequately reflect your own experiences? Mm. Yeah. Oh, that is a loaded question. And I think one that I will, you know, not take up this entire time mm -hmm. discussing, but definitely one that I think is, 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 is very loaded and nuanced. Um, I think coming from, coming from Halifax and coming from my community is that I was basically raised by BIPOC queer folks in their 30s, late, you know, early 30s, mm -hmm. late 40s. And most of the people that were, you know, young and queer and BIPOC, I wasn't necessarily around or they weren't out or, or I saw them in school and we became friends. But I, it was part of sort of this, this much larger community that then it just expanded. And, and, and so you had so much, I think the key phrase of Halifax is solidarity. Mm. You know, if you knew a BIPOC person, they probably knew a bunch of white folks in the union who were going to show up in solidarity. You knew a bunch of other folks that would show Everyone sort of had each other's back. There was a sense of scarcity that exists in, in Nova Scotia that I think people don't understand outside of, you know, I think other people do mm -hmm. from smaller places understand. But Ontario is a very wealthy province. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and, and that includes BIPOC folks as well here. And, you know, I also have the privilege of growing up, you know, in, in an abusive family. That's not a privilege, but mm -hmm. I grew up in a still a middle class family in a, a poverty stricken you know, uh, larger family. Right. So I was, you know, my, 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 uh, my mom's husband who is also, you know, my dad, but is not my biological father, but he raised me. He's a white man. Uh, and he was in the military. Right. Um, and so he, there was that, that extra bit of wealth that allowed, you know, me to be able to sort of, you know, have a bit of stability, um, even though if it came from not so, you know, great things in my childhood. Mm -hmm. um, but one of those, but, but uh, there was a point at, I guess I should say there was a rejection of my family. You know, I have a good relationship with them now, um, but there was a process of me discovering my biological father's family, um, you know, uh, exploring myself as a black and ill new person. Yeah. And so very much of me, you know, having a disagreement with my family and really, you know, being able to explore and being held by, you know, queer women of color and, and older queer folks. Um, and, and it was focused on healing because mm -hmm. a lot of these, you know, folks, went through so much difficulties in their 20s and they didn't want me to make the same mistakes right. and so i got so many lessons and i carried that when i because many people told me don't come to ottawa don't go to ottawa mm. you know don't 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 and i was like well i sort of have you know I, I have to i've made a commitment this is what i'm going to do and and that lingered with me coming mm. to ottawa because all of my networks my art practice basically ceased for, you know, a great period of time, you know, the, the you know, my, you know, I had a sense of community and well-being uh, and healing that completely sort of, you know, I was like a fish out of water. Right. Um, and also I'm a very different type of black person. And that was, I think, one of the biggest waves. And I had already sort of experienced this because, you know, I, I traveled to Ottawa and Toronto quite a bit for work and travel across the country for work. But now being centralized where your people are not, you mm -hmm. know, as an African Nova Scotian, yeah. we have our own bag of worms that nobody, you know, understands, you know, outside of outside of Nova Scotia, maybe, you know, some folks in Montreal and, yeah. and, and, you know, black pioneers in the prairies, but, you know, and maybe some folks from Southern Ontario who come from the Underground Railroad. Right. But besides that, you know, a lot of the black experience here in, in, in Ontario comes from the 1960s and onwards. Mm -hmm. And, and, and those roots. And so you have a different culture when it comes to music, you have a different culture when it comes to the way that blackness is, you know, mm -hmm. Nova Scotia was more about a class struggle than a colorism struggle. Um, because it was based off your last names and who you are and who, where you're from, what community you're from, because your black community, North Preston, has been there for 300 mm -hmm. years. And white people are like, don't go to North Preston because you're 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 gonna get you know this, <laughs> you know you're gonna get shot. And there's these rumors and these 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 sort of you know deep rooted racist and and systemic racism that has kept you know my people in the crack epidemic since the 80s continuous, right. you know continuously going to prison. These are not new issues, mm -hmm. and so. Coming to Ottawa, I had to strike a balance between, you know, being a black person who's, you know, who, who was very much prominent in, in, in working on anti-black, you know, fighting against anti-blackness, but also recognizing that, you know, Ottawa is not my home, both as an indigenous person. I am also, you know, I am a visitor here, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> just because I'm Mi'kmaq doesn't mean I'm, you know, yeah. I'm, now, I'm now in a position of a colonizer. Um, and, you know, and, and also I happen to be black, um, but I'm now having to defend my blackness. Mm -hmm. um, because I happen to be light skin, um, but I'm also having to defend my people because I'm being consistently, oh, where are you really from though? Mm -hmm. Where are you really from? Oh, you're, oh, 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 African. Oh, you're, you're just another colonized black person. You know, these right. were sort of, you know, so where, 
the where the intersections of people, either immigrants or black folks coming to Nova Scotia, there was a place of compassion. Mm. While in Ottawa, there was that compassion that I, I found, but it was so it was so it, it's like someone is trying to, you know, you're rock climbing. Yeah. And at the top is community. But someone has put liquid all on the rock. So you keep slipping down. And, mm -hmm. and, and that and the city sort of does this because, you know, I met so many wonderful people through Carleton and through, you know, University of Ottawa, especially since I first came, you know, I'm no longer in the student movement. Uh, but I was at the time and I met so many amazing BIPOC folks that were around my age that reminded me mm -hmm. of, of, of who, who I was you know, uh, and who I was surrounded with back home. Yeah. And and so I sort of, you know, became, you know, really sought that out and clung to that when I first got here. But I realized those lessons that were learned that I was taught, many of these people did not have. And so I watched those communities implode mm. and explode within themselves and, and sort of being stuck in that you know, in that framework, while at the same time, sort of having to reconcile, you know, me being an activist and community organizer, I have to take several seats in Ottawa in certain cases, because my, you know, it, it, it is, you know, there is a responsibility that I have as, you know, as a black person, as an indigenous person who is in solidarity with movements, but at the same time, recognizing, you know, I am not, you know, I don't, my people, my, my, my identities do not make the majority of the people who are suffering in this particular yeah. province, in this particular city, in this particular community, outside of, you know, being trans and, and what those experiences look like. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, having to reconcile, you know, and part of it, what, you know, was also having to consistently defend my identity and my people yeah. um, in, in an inter, you know, in a national black movement mm -hmm. that is very Toronto centric. Right. And, and doesn't really make room for anybody outside of that ideology while still trying to work within those movements as I have done for, you know, so it's trying to balance all of that out. So finding community, you know, yeah. and, and those voices that I can never re replicate what I had in, in Halifax. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and so really trying to start from scratch and trying to imitate those things is that you can't, you know, one city and one community is completely different than the others. And I sort of, you know, as a young person, I'm 25 now too, yeah. I sort of learned that the hard way. Um, and, you know, so there's a lot of, so while Ottawa has been a great place of meeting a lot of new people, yeah. um, it, it, it is a lot different because people, you know, a lot of folks who I would meet in Halifax were coming from a place of scarcity. Yeah. Well, the people that I was meeting in Ottawa, well, they've already had the privilege to attain post-secondary and, and sort of access and, and creating spaces. So a lot, so there was a privilege mm -hmm. that I think that was, that it was not acknowledged here in Ottawa. Um, that, that, you know, even though oppression exists heavily here for many of the people, you know, it was, yeah. it was a lot different um, in terms, you know, and, and I had to recheck myself and my own social capital right. um, heavily coming here as well. And so that's part of, you know, that haunting or that, you know, you know, being able to, you know, there was a, I've been having, I've been going through a metamorphosis of self-critique, uh, you know, especially recognizing how my privilege has changed in in just moving a province and mm -hmm. not you know not being seen as an african Nova, you know most people think i'm an immigrant out mm -hmm. here well in nova scotia they're like oh you're black scotian right well most people think i just got off the boat now that i'm in ottawa so i'm a you know i'm, I'm perceived so much differently uh out here you know um even just going and you know getting a starbucks pre-pandemic <laughs> getting a starbucks you know um but I don't want to go on too long, but that's sort of like a little bit of it. I know it's all over the place, but it's kind of the feelings that, you know, are held.
Well, I think like you raised some really important points where, you know, blackness isn't uh, a static monolithic identity category or a set of experiences that fit um, if we're looking in the, in the context of what's currently Canada, you know, um, and the fact that the East Coast has a particular history with black and indigenous communities that are so far different um, and much more complicated uh, than in the context of how more of the um, the the mainstream conceptualization of blackness often gets played out. Um, and, and when you walk into that space where knowing that you had the support in your communities, in the geography that you inhabited before, um, in a way that still sustains you and didn't require you to constantly do the unpacking or the reiterating, um, which in and of itself is so deeply exhausting. Um, bef- before you, we can even like, I can't even fathom, like having to try to configure what community or support systems look like in this new geography when that's, when, when you're already on, on depletion. Can I respond to that? You're sure. Yeah. I, I think that the issue or not the issue, but the, is that I eventually sort of have found it. Um, but again, I think what has been so interesting is that the people that I have Tended, have now tended to draw to mm. um, are also people who are much older than I am. Um, mm. We're not in post-secondary right now. Um, right. And, and people who are also going through the same sort of rec- what's the word? Um, the, 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 the moment of self-critique where you're, you know, where you're not only figuring out who you are and, and reevaluating yeah. things, but recognizing that, you know, that, you can translate and be, you can transplace yourself and be in a completely different environment and your, you know, your whole values can be completely, you know, upended um, because those values that you had maybe in the place that you were before may not be the values that people care or, or even see, or even feel, you know, my, you know, and, and so I surrounded myself by people who prioritize healing as opposed mm. to combating where yeah. I was in a place where I could balance both. And now I'm so mm. exhausted with combating because I'm constantly have been defending who I am, um, even amongst, you know, my own community, well, my own community here, the community that matches who I am. And so I found a lot of space with those who who focus on healing and education. So there has been, you know, a lot of beautifulness in the city, um, but, yeah. you know, it's hard to find. <laughs> it's like it's lost in sand. Yeah. And like the other end of it is I, I wonder uh, to what end, you know, when, only when we're depleted, uh, is there a moment where we start to figure out or start to uh, figure out for ourselves, like how do we sustain nourishment, right? Um, so that it's not just deficit, it's also the joy, like trying to find where is it that the majority of the things that we do are generated and centered around joy and and healing and and um and seeing each other, right, in a way that's not tearing down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, Faye, what about you? Like, how has it been in terms of, um, like, I know you write extensively around health and LGBTQ plus lives. Um, you know, what sort of brought you into that sphere? What moments have sort of led to that? Um, and that keeps you going, right? The momentum is still going. Oh, I love that question. Um, I think I almost like fell into it by accident. Um, you know, I, I think I, I started volunteering for my first like gay charity when I was 
17 and like it was not at the time like in retrospect not the best organization though it has now come a very very long way and as a phenomenal executive director at this time that is much better than the old one um but you know i came out uh, as a little baby gay at 16 and then like i was very keen and passionate for the gays oh, and it, yeah. was, it was very wholesome type stuff um, but i also like i found that i enjoyed it and um, you know, I used to be a hockey jock and was not used to spaces where things are different than that and connecting with people uh, on a different level or a deeper level than, you know, what, what team won the last mm. hockey game. And then um, I think, you know, it, it ramped up or shifted in a big way after I came out as trans about like five, five mm. years ago now. Um, and I think that like a lot of what drew me into this kind of work from that point on and like what, what has like kept me going through it is, is like, frankly, a lot of rage specifically at like the ways in which, you know, navigating the world as a trans person, um, the daily stuff that you are made to go through by a world that isn't all that nice. And specifically like the way that the world treats uh, trans women and trans women folks in public spaces, um, both in terms of like, you know, media spaces, but more specifically in terms of just like, when you are out downtown, you know, going to your convenience store to buy smokes and the, the kinds of things that you witness or experience in those moments. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, that has been what has really like driven me into this work um, and has, has been like the, the fuel that has resulted in, you know, me jumping into things like writing or doing more advocacy or organizing work. It's very much like, like how much talk about you know love and community love and I think those are like very very important things yeah but I also think like I think a lot of us we, we do this work because we're angry uh, and we channel that rage in very good you know impactful and I would like to like I think effective ways like I think we do really good work when we're mm -hmm. angry but I think it's good to own that as well because I don't think I think that we're often taught to like filter our emotions to filter the way that we think and talk about our experiences mm -hmm. um and I think it, it's it's an honest like in the world that we live in we should be able to be honest about our anger and to be honest about the roots of that rage. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that is going to be, that is a very good motivator when you're angry and you want the people who are causing harm to stop hurting you mm -hmm. personally uh, and also hurting the people that you're connected to, right? Like my, my community is, you know, LGBTQ folks. Um, and so everything, you know, our experiences are not homogenous by any measure. Um, but like there is a lot of hurt that goes around. I think if you live in spaces where you're connected to community, like again, Centertown, like everybody, our communities are very, very interconnected, mm -hmm. which also means that we all know friends who have struggled with a whole long list of things. And we probably struggled with those things ourselves. And so I think, yeah, like the rage, it keeps you going. And I think it keeps people alive too, right? Like we, we, we run off of what we're able to run off of. And sometimes that thing that we can and are able to run off of is, is anger. Yeah. I mean, I Definitely, like disenchantment, uh, frustration, anger, uh, a desire to just want to be able to be without it being a contested site of being is something that like certainly motivates a lot of us to just keep the work going. And I think what what price that gets paid at, at some point along the lines is that it's a lot of energy to keep fueled and to keep refuel like refilling um and and like at what point um you know do we call ourselves in to try to find a measure of balance right a measure of like um letting the rage funnel through and 
and produce really active, healthy, like not uh, like productive action, right? So much of the work that you've done and that you're doing does that, um, you know, it's, it's tackling and, and, um, unveiling and addressing a lot of the inequities that exist for queer and trans folks. Um, but simultaneously, um, I wonder if, uh, like, I wonder if both of you can speak to the nature of how, or is there even a possibility of a space where isn't, where it isn't always fueled by the disappointment of the fact that, off, like, so much, like, energy has to go into carving out and holding space um, when it's not because it's not so readily always available uh, or made available. Um, and specifically, because you've both worked in like community organizing, I wonder um, if you could talk a little bit about that. Like, how does community organizing um, help sort of produce those moments? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think that we organizing brings people together, right? And like, there's a whole piece of like, you know, consciousness raising or like community building. And I think, um, again, like, a lot of the work that I think Jade and I both do is around like trans young folks. Right. And like trans young folks often don't come into spaces with like trans community. Like they have many, most trans kids have not grown up in trans community, right? Like most trans kids find community. Um, And so I think, you know, organizing brings people together. It helps people understand the the common shit we've all gone, gone through. But I think the best thing is when it's led by and for like you're in spaces that will never be perfect by any means, but like, my, my favorite thing to do in organizing is like, is, is the, 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 the gathering after the gathering. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's do a vigil. Mm-hmm. But what happens after who, like, where are we going? Is there going to be food? Like, what is the social experience that can happen there? What are the friendships that are made in those moments? And those I think might be, you know, we come together often around anger and rage as, mm-hmm. as we've said, but I think there are opportunities there to, you know, build connection and build relationships and build community. Yeah. I think it's just hard when we also are all, you know, processing that community like i don't think we're good at community because we've never experienced or many of us have never experienced what community could or should look like yeah and so we bring our own our own rage and our own hurt and those are two very tightly wound emotions like those are not you can't easily take the rage out of hurt or take the hurt out of rage mm-hmm. that's why i think one of the things that we're all and i think i hope we're all trying to learn is you know how, how do we hold ourselves close while holding other people close too Mm-hmm. even if we don't always love those folks. Like I love, like there are people that I don't like and that's fine. And we can still be in space. We can still be in community, but, but it depends. Like community isn't always your best friends. Like community isn't the people that you're always going to, you know, want to hang out with on a Friday night. Community is shit a lot of the time. Um, and that's okay because at the end of the day, community, you know, it, it's, it's not actually, it's not always family. It can be, um, mm-hmm. but community is, is going to be there for you. Um, you know, maybe when your family isn't. Yeah. 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 Hey, did you want to add anything oh, to that? Yes. I, 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 I yeah. agree with Faye and I, you know, I think community is a lot like family where there are messy times, there are good times, there are times <laughs> where family splits, there's times where family comes together. Um, and I think that, you know, one of, uh, to sort of address the first thing is that, you know, around the politics of rage you know i i am someone who was very very angry all the time and and that stress and that anxiety you know pushed me through so much um and then there's the aftershocks of that of carrying all of that anger and all of that rage that has you know significant health consequences 
And, and especially sure. when your rage cannot be quenched because there are no solutions. So over time and time, you get sort of exhausted where there are solutions, but again, you're still seeing your community hurt. And I think that's the, the hardest thing about a community organizer and, and, and recognizing is that, you know, you have to come to terms that you will fail. You know, you may not fail with your community, but you may fail at achieving the action that you desired. And I, and I also think something that's really hard, and I talk about this with Faye all the time, is that, you know, there's also the, the cult of personality that I think often wedges and, and creates issues within our communities, especially when it involves, you know, around economics or, or being able to build something. There's always speculation and mistrust because there have been many people in our communities that have said that they were here for us and then instantly portray community. And so you have that legacy of of sort of that, that selling out that creates a lot of skepticism when there is organizing being done. Or there's a situation where, you know, at some point where you, you there is a balance between, you know, not gatekeeping and then also mm -hmm. trying to prevent horrible people from creating spaces that are unsafe and, and that may be really harmful. Um, and, and, and striking that balance can cause a lot of problems. Um, and, and at the same time, you know, I, it is for me at least is that as, as Faye mentioned, I think this is very clear is what do you do after you organize something? How, what are you doing to nourish, replenish and sort of create a cyclical pattern in which, you know, organizing can take place. I view organizing like a video game, uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. let's nerd out for a moment, but you know, this may not make sense to many mm -hmm. people, but you know, typically in an RPG, you have a healer, somebody who offers heals and gifts and booms to be able to make sure that everybody is able to like make it through and, and sort of survive the battle, whatever that battle may be. You know, you have somebody who is defending on the front lines, whose really main protection is not to be the mouthpiece, not to, you know, but really just defend the people who are all together and in that way. And then you have the person who's, you know, a little warrior or whatever, who is the person who is, you know, doing this, you know, being, you know, the voice or the attacker, you know, I'm trying to make it not violent, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but everyone has a different role. And I think yeah. the, the, the expectation of community is that everybody needs to be a warrior. And, and that should not be mm -hmm. the case at all. There are people, you know, with many different personalities, many different techniques and strengths that should be, you know, the, the ability. At one point, I was an incredible, you know, I, I you know, I, I always wanted to, you know, I was like, I had so much energy that I was like, you know, I'm going to take up all the space. I'm going to take all, all the news advertisements. I'm going to do all, everything I can do to bring it, a, a, a amount to my issue. But what I didn't realize is mm. how much power I was accumulating um in, right. in in doing so and then how much you know that depending on if i bat an eyelash the wrong way or let a toot out the wrong way you know that is going to be ridiculed and i have to take responsibility for that because i have now you know have a and i think that is one of the hardest parts about maintaining community is how do you redistribute power we talk you know our communities and bipoc and qt bipoc communities are consistently talking about how do we you know distribute power or how do we distribute you know and i think it depends on how you curate the spaces from the very beginning right and and mm -hmm. and and how do you not center 
your entire ethos around how do you create spaces that are dedicated for the people in it? And, you know, and, and me, and, and so, you know, instead of, you know, instead, yeah, so one of the things is instead of me, you know, going out and, and, and speaking on, you know, every interview about trans issues, you know, I've done it before too, you know, it happens, you know, as people who are doing this work, but how do you take that time and actually create spaces that are dedicated for trans and, you know, trans folks to actually just have space to eat and chat? And make friends and, and, you know, and, and the ability where, you know, again, you know, but also making sure that the space is safe enough to hold all the neurodivergencies, the interconnectionsnesses of, 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 of QT BIPOC. And that is a hard thing to do. And especially as somebody who has been working acutely with, you know, the 2SLGBT community and, and, and population for a yeah. while now is that I, you know, it, it Everyone is so, it's, it's almost as if our community is sort of uh, somebody who is just has an open bleeding wound and every minute mm. you're having to triage it and every moment is a crisis. And for any organizer and any person who's working either in a, you know, in a community organization here in Ottawa or across the, you know, the country is constantly putting, you know, pressure on a, on a bleeding wound, um, but are getting no, yeah. are getting no, you know, stick, you know, medical equipment in order to sort of patch that up. And so, you know, the, the best thing we can do is sort of, you know, have that triage care. And I think that's sort of what burns a lot of activists and people out is, you know, the, the, the cynicism that is developed mm -hmm. by the community because of bad actors. And then those who are good actors who are then sort of put in the pressure of trying to not be seen in cynicism and, and trying to do good work, also not trying to take up space, but also trying to use, you know, the privileges or the power that folks have in order to, you know, who yeah. may have, you know, I'm on the fine lines of society, but I have enough, you know, speak, you know, privilege, especially in dialogue to, to make things happen and, and especially Faye. Right. And so, you know, having to sort of balance that and, and try to create those spaces and hold all those things in mind, um, you know, yeah. uh, that's a lot more than rage in order to be able to mm -hmm. sort of do that. It's, you know, and, and it, 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 there's a lot of sort of, you know, compassion that has to take and the compassion to know that you probably will fail and someone's probably going to be upset with you about something that you've done and having to make it sure that it's not about you. Um, you know, and, and not taking that personally. And I think that's one of, you know, because we're constantly organizers are constantly attacked by the people that we are proponents to. And so when you do sort mm -hmm. of receive that sort of attack, you know, from community, which, you know, doesn't happen often, or at least it hasn't happened often to me. But when it does, when that critique yeah. happens, you have to take that, you know, with, with your heart, you know, and, and, and sort of, you know, and recognize that again, that's, you know, that, that this is sort of, you know, that, that it's not about you in that moment. And that, you know, there's a mm -hmm. lesson there and, 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 you know, even if something was misinterpreted and I think that's, so it's really taking that compassionate with yourself um, and really trying to create mm -hmm. spaces for people to also create their own self-advocacy um, and, and really be able to have the confidence to speak their own mind. Cause I, you know, there, there are so many shy and, you know, folks who, again, who are just trying to, you know, go buy their pack of smokes or, 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 you know, go, you know, I, I don't leave my house with a full face of makeup on <laughs> and I, you know, those are my daily rituals, even with a mask, you know, in case my mask yeah. falls off or something of that sort, you know, mm -hmm. there are, you know, there are lived experience that trans people do that we keep to ourselves and, and, and that we yeah. do alone that people, you know, and so I think, you know, it's also really hard to have, you know, there's a lot of expectations of perfectionism. Right. Um, that often our communities are 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 are, um, are, are pigeonholed into, um, and sometimes we don't meet that, those needs. Thank you for sharing that, Jade. 
I think, you know, when you're talking about um, even within like the the world of organizing, and that was a really wonderful ex- like example of um, that not everyone um, – not everyone needs to be imagined as like having to lead and that there's so much strength in the sharing and distribution, but also like in, in legacy building, because at one point the person who's tasked with constantly having to be the face or the platform, they, they, they reach a level of that depletion or they are the other end of it, um, bear the brunt of when things don't go exactly as expected, right? The, the hope and the wishes for a particular thing that might not actually play out exactly as one had imagined or hoped it to be. Um, and what, you know, in, in a sense, when um, when that community organizing or the, the levels to which roles are played out, when it gets more distributed or where people's strengths are highlighted um, and and shared, that there is this possibility of, of building into it as a continuum. Um, because so much of, you know, in the context of Ottawa specifically, um, we have such a... Um, such a movement of people of coming in, but experiencing depletion or not enough nourishment because it's a very white town because it can be very extractive. Um, and so people leave. Um, and so for every moment that, uh, you know, queer and trans folks are looking for the archives or looking for community and, uh, you know, uh, threads to tie into, it feels like they're not there, even though they're there, but they're ghostly. Like they're, they're uh, really difficult to, to pull together to the immediate front. And so you feel like you're on your own sort of build your own adventure. Um, but at a time, but in a way that feels like you're lost. Um, and I, I wonder to what end, like, you know, um, like what other ways we can imagine that as a resource, like for, you know, young trans kids to be able to access readily and easily for, you know, queer BIPOC folks to be able to like, um, to, to hook into uh, some form of a, a living, you know, a legacy or an archive um, to, to feel like you're not alone, you know? Um, and yet oftentimes queer and trans experiences so feel so deeply embodied, right? Where it's, it's so solitary at times um, because it's not so readily represented around us. At the same time, it's so heavily policed, like, the the question of safety is always a thing right um, and, and maybe on that like if i if i can jump in yeah on like community i think i really i, I like what you were saying around you know like h- how do we bring more people into this and i mm-hmm. think one of the tough places that we're stuck in is you know there there is a scarcity of resources mm-hmm. um and like and like that as as a concept like we we, we know that yeah but it's also like we don't ha- it's almost like we don't have the infrastructure to help people do the like build community or uh, engage in organizing in particular i would say in, in in a good way and so what happens a lot of the time is folks like jump in and as you were saying are very very keen and then they burn mm-hmm. out in 6 months or 12 months or like 3 weeks mm-hmm. and i think one of the things that we're bad at and i, I don't know what the answer is and i think maybe i should be one of the people trying to come up with an answer but mm-hmm. Um, you know, like how, how do we actually change that structure in Ottawa right now, if organizing is happening, it's a fairly small group of folks, especially, especially in the trans space, like mm-hmm. it's not a big pool of people. There are many people who want to and could, but like, we don't have the resources necessarily or the infrastructure to like 
grow or bring other folks in in a good way. And so I find that we're always caught in this cycle mm-hmm. where it's almost always like younger trans folks. And that's a good thing. And in, in many ways, like we got energy, we got time, maybe, I don't know, <laughs> but like it, it gets tricky because then the, the labor is always thrown on some folks. Um, and like, there is no easy way out of that because like the folks who are doing the work, and this is true across many communities, I would imagine, but like, if you don't, if you aren't the one who's doing it, it won't get done. Um, yeah. And I find that there's like always a catch up or like a catch 22 on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's an interesting thing to ponder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I might get in trouble for this, um, <laughs> but I, I'm going to bring up something that happened over the summer and I wasn't a part of it. Um, but I, mm-hmm. you know, because I was one of the people who had just burnt out, you know, going mm-hmm. through a lot. I was going through some abuse um, when the pandemic had started. Um, and, and before me and Faye organized last summer. Um, mm. but one of, one of the things that were, were, were taking place was the response to George Floyd mm. and, and, and the Canadian, you know, um, you know, response both to, to, to Regis, but also sort of the, the implications of both anti-blackness, both in Canada and also yeah. in the United States and just nationally around anti-black racism. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was really hard was there was a prominent group of black organizers in the city that, you know, that, you know, that are pretty good organizers, you know, in, in, in my opinion, um, but also very um, uh, exclusionary in, in some cases, you know, trying to make sure that, you know, especially in organizing where, you know, there is a level of st- strategy um, yeah. And a level of, you know, um, uh, advocacy that is very particular and, and built in sort of a specific type of, of organizing style. This 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 organizing style is very reminiscent of the student movement. And then there was yeah. also a, 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 a two black Muslim girls who were also organizing a, a yeah. protest um, mm-hmm. that was very different than that and more broad, more akin to a non very much not a political rally that was very specific, um, but a little bit more moderate in terms of tone. It was the same one that Trudeau had, you know, uh, occupied and then and then took a knee to. Um, and that was the big news, um, although most people were worried about Jim Watson. And there was a there was a conflict between that about how organizing should happen. And I mm-hmm. think this is where this does happen, because when you are alone organizing and you are yeah. not having, you know, not having resources or by yourself or having to deal with sort of, there's this bitterness and resentment that mm. comes. There is that ego again, that sort of step. Yeah. I've been doing this for a long time. I do it this way. This is how we've mm-hmm. done it. How dare you come in? This You're going to ruin everything that we've done, you know, and that, mm-hmm. that attitude does come, that does get built. Or there are people who do come, you know, who, who want to put in the work and then they just drop out. And so then it's having to be other people who've passed the torch coming back in and sort of, you know, trying to pick up the pieces. Um, And and I think that, you know, that is the hardest part is that, you know, everybody wants, you know, to lead. And I think everyone should have the ability to to have a voice and have the opportunity to say what's on their mind. Nobody should be gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. Um, But what does activism really need to look like? Is banging on pots and pans really the only way Mm -hmm. to build community and really Mm -hmm. build resistance? I don't think so. You know, mm-hmm. in Halifax, we focused on healing first. How do you make sure that two people who dislike each other still have yeah. the ability to be in a community space together and still be able to organize? I saw people who hated each other's guts still be able yeah. to come and organize and, mm-hmm. and, and really come and build spaces in Halifax. That doesn't happen out here. 
people, mm. you know, and this is not to, to disrupt, you know, the beautifulness of how community has come together or even critique, you know, the, the city that has held me so well. But yeah. to, but to recognize that this happens not only just in Ottawa, but every place where, you know, where there are people coming in, coming out coming in, coming mm -hmm. out, you know, and, you know, something that was really hard for me this year, especially as somebody who works in the anti-Black, you know, racism, I, I'm, you know, work and, and does education and does things was seeing, you know, having to, you know, it was wrestling with me of seeing people making money and profiting mm -hmm. off of Black death, you know, and right. it was the one yeah. thing that was completely refused to be brought about is that, yeah, the non-for-profit sector, the, you know, the, the consultant, you know, a consulting, yeah. I'm consulting myself, the profit, the, the sector boomed under the mm. pandemic because everybody wanted to address anti-Black racism. And while there was no systemic changes that really were, you know, some commissions were yeah. made, right? That, you know, that happened. You, you had this situation where so many people were able to sort of profit off mm -hmm. of that. And, 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 you know, a lot of people who've been struggling too to find work. And, you know, mm. so both, there was both a difficult reality and a, a, a reality that is also, you know, a lot of these folks who were, you know, doing in the gig economy now have solid employment. But right. where did that come from? Why mm -hmm. is it that our movements and our successes and our communities have to be based off of when there is a crisis? Why is our organizing always reactionary when there is a crisis? Why does mm -hmm. everything need to be, again, based in triage as opposed to really coming down? And again, Faye brings up, again, always hits it, you know, it's that balance of being able to create sustainable care. Uh, and that, mm -hmm. again, requires so many resources that are always usually depleted or mm -hmm. gatekept behind, you know, a non-for-profit and against, you know, somebody who, you know, it only cares about, you know, uh, their own power and stature, you know, or lobbying mm -hmm. ability. And that happens too. And, mm -hmm. and, and so it, 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 is, it is so complicated because you have to have a little bit of faith and, and, and really have that leap of faith and, and build that trust, you know, the benefit of the doubt. And, and part of my work is really, you know, is being able to provide the benefit of the doubt and being able to, you know, uh, really bring everybody back together and back to the table, not to the table, but to yeah. recreate a table. You know, let's build the chairs yeah. together, make sure, you know, they're all great. Let's, you know, saw and, and finish the wood, you know, as opposed to trying to find other seats at other tables. But right. the, the pillars need to be focused within healing ourselves and really yeah. sharing who we are. You know, uh, the reason why I think, sorry, Faye, I don't mean to the, talk about it, but I think one of the reasons why me and Faye are able to work so well together, I think, is because, well, we're friends, but also, yeah. you know, I know the things that Faye likes and don't likes. Faye knows mm. the things that I like and I don't like, you know, the mm. things that bother us and don't bother us, you know, being able to know and be in tune and have community and have the benefit mm. of the doubt that, you know, one of us may do something that may piss the other person off, but knowing that there's that unconditional love and that we are all yeah. trying to reach the same goal. And that might look different, but if we are creating gatekeeps and walls to seal each yeah. other off, then again, the work gets lost. The work gets right. lost. It's it's in silos, and then people don't have the the, the large range of support. And and so I was asked once, and I, I don't mean to talk for so long, but I always feel mm -hmm. you know these are the things I you know I talk to myself about in, my, in the lockdowns. But um, one of the things that are that for me that is that has been so crucial is really sitting aside and and thinking about you know you know, I was asked once again, what is your leadership style? 
And mine, mm -hmm. what I realized has always been collaborative. And, and it is always about doing things with other people because I have many, many failures of, of things that, you know, that I have, that I, I have bad anxiety, I've met the, you know, illness, but I'm able to get work, good work done. Um, yeah. But for me, I always feel more connected and powerful when I am with other people. When I am, when I am, when I, where, where my responsibility is to community and not yeah. just to myself, it isn't a self-serving situation. And I think that that requires us to be really vulnerable and tender in a mm -hmm. city and in a place where our vulnerability will be extracted, will be poked on and then used to break us down. And so right. how are we able to sort of strike that balance? And so to answer your question more pointedly, yeah. I think in order to sort of build, you know, these these sort of community spaces, um, you know, is really, again, recentering community yeah. um, and also being able to examine self at the same time, both learning to love yourself and allowing yourself to fail and allowing yourself to, but also allowing yourself to sort of let go and also yeah. bring in people that even you may not trust at that very moment but willing mm -hmm. to at least build that trust with them and and know that like we can do this if we just you know work together. I know that sounds corny, um, but I, I honestly, again, you know, only movements have only been successful when they've been collaborative, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, for and, sure. And so and and that's and and community can only be a community if it's collaborative. For like a hundred percent, like everything that you're saying, like even in terms of framing it through the language of like love and tenderness and like being able to, to be with one another across our differences, because nothing like it's, it's rather impossible to have to, if like, if I use a symbolic image of like a ship and trying to carry the, like yank the, the, the rope and bring the ship into water or out of water, mm -hmm. a, a single person cannot do that work. It takes a community. It takes collaboration. It takes someone who knows the structure of the, uh, of, of this of this vehicle it takes another person who has knowledge of the water another person who know, has knowledge of the land mm -hmm. you know um, how the wind is moving all of these things that make it possible to move an object you know um, and I think uh, if we if you know in in terms of uh, organizing community and actually making um, making things that we all need to become a real thing, it is a collaborative effort. It takes working across those differences and those difficult moments because we don't love each other all the time. Um, but there is there are sort of um, not common, sometimes sure common goals, but there's some common hopes and dreams that we want to make real that we all are striving to work towards. Um, and I think what you're saying is so incredibly important uh, in terms of just not just imagining, but how do we actually plan to do uh, do right by ourselves, to ourselves, and to our communities that we are we are linked to, right? Um, yeah, um, and I, I you mentioned Jade at one point organizing last summer with Faye, and I'm wondering, um, it was that a sort of a crumb to talk a little bit about Transfest 2020 in Ottawa, uh, or were you referring to another event? Uh, yeah, I was. Um, I actually have a point to add. Um, yeah. But uh, but yes, it was referring to Transfest. Although I will say that me and and Faye have been organizing for how many years? How long now? have you been in Ottawa? Because I'm pretty sure we started like three days after. Yeah, basically <laughs> since I first. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Me and me and Faye hit it off right at uh, I think it was uh, 
um, a community meeting, a town hall, and met there. We have the smokes, and 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 ever since we started organizing. Um, but I uh, um, I want to bring up a point you, you, about community, uh, and and specifically just. I think to articulate, I think the other issue about the benefit of the doubt, and, and, and I hope folks don't mind me bringing up capitalism, mm. um, but uh, <laughs> one of the underspoken aspects about capitalism has yeah. been, you know, and I don't want to say this, but I'm going to sound like a capitalist just for a second, is the right of the consumer to not purchase a product and how mm. we've now put that in our communities through the power of canceling. You know, being like, you know, it, mm. it makes sense to say, okay, JK Rowling, you have all this power and influence, you know, you have made tons of money off of these profits. Now you are, you know, you're trashing trans people, you're tapping mm. into that large UK turf trans exclusionary radical feminine, they ain't feminist, but yeah. you know, that community, and you are now being, you know, and the only ability for a QT BIPOC person to have any sort of power, any sort of decision making is to say, I ain't gonna buy your book. And I ain't mm -hmm. going to, I'm going to tell all my friends not to buy your book. And I'm going to, you know, and, 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 and that gets a whole load of feedback from broader about, oh, you're canceling cancel culture, blah, 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 blah. Where in mm -hmm. many cases, that is the right of the, the only rights that we, and the ability that we have. Mm -hmm. And, 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 this, and it's the only time where we maybe are able to get results, boycotting, you know, yeah. space. It's only, but then we turn that in on ourselves. And mm -hmm. we, you know, and we, you know, and I'm a person who is a proponent for transformative yeah. justice, you know, but we allow capitalism to say, you know, you are not worthy of community, therefore you will be removed because you are not a, you are only a deficit to what our community, you do not provide anything. And because you don't provide anything in our eyes, there is no chance of rehabilitation. And, and I don't believe in that, but we, yeah. we you know, and, and I don't like using the terms culture wars cancel culture because it it's it, it has it, it especially right now but mm -hmm. you know, but it has been so diluted and twisted by the, i would say you know white supremacy and and yeah. and, and more extreme right-wing proponents and mm -hmm. it really sucks that those words have been really distorted because we can't even use those lens on our own community and you know and I, there i you know there have been many times where we've had to sort of say you know put the brakes in and and be like you know this person is toxic into our community you want them to have help but our community is unable to deal with that we are we don't have the infrastructure to rehabilitate you we don't have the and we don't and I think mm -hmm. that's one of the biggest issues. We do not have the capacity because not only are all of us hurting, but none of all, you can't have hurt people trying to rehabilitate other people who are hurt and also the people who are causing harm. Yeah. And yeah. that is one of the biggest problems is that, and the only solution we have is the exact solution that we use in order to combat capitalism when we're not, you know, by, you know, as individuals, I should say, mm -hmm. or when we're, we're collecting. And, and, and I've seen that happen so many times and, 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 and it really breaks down community and especially in a situation, you know, I come from the student movement, you're canceled mm -hmm. if you say one word wrong. You know, you're, you're complete, and that's in both white organizing and BIPOC organizing, both in the, you know, so I came from that environment. And so when I see that happening in, in, in our communities, you know, especially, you know, the work that I do, and I, and I'm, you know, I, I, I'm someone who's like, you know, very much about, you know, everyone's coming from a different place. Let's try mm -hmm. to create a space for people to learn, you know, or, or be able to create a space where everyone knows what they're stepping into before they come into it, um, to be able to leave room for rehabilitation. But again, that's really hard. I, I just really don't feel like I can't talk about community or yeah. without bringing in that crucial piece 
because um, yeah. capitalism has affected the, it completely about how we build community. It's 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 it almost impacts every single thing to renting a space to That's to and, and and you know you need money to hold community spaces or yeah. or you just need a, someone who has a big enough house. <laughs> you know? So both the pragmatics of it, but also yeah, you're bringing up you're raising a really important point about how like. Um, you know, the sort of carceral politics tied to capitalism play out within community organizing. Um, and and how do we navigate that, right? What And how are we challenged by it and how um, difficult it is when we encounter it, right? Um, uh, I'm wondering if we can uh, uh, go back a little bit to, um, you mentioned, you know, um, you and Faye met a couple of years ago and that you've been organizing together since then. Um, and for me, like the, the more recent, um, event that, uh, that I'm, that I know about is TransFest 2020. Um, but the door is sort of wide open about whatever events, um, or, uh, that you are particularly, um, in, interested in speaking to about. Um, I'm wondering if if you'd share a little bit about what that organizing process looked like and what eventually sort of led to TransFest coming together. Mm, I think uh, I, I'm happy to talk a little bit about TransFest for sure. Sure. So I think TransFest, um, for, for like, you know, broader context, um, and Jade, jump in if I get the dates or timelines wrong here, but um, I believe Jade... And I started organizing or did uh, the Odawa Two-Spirit Plans and Gender Diverse March together um, for the first time in 2019. Um, and, and more broadly, the march had existed uh, many years ago in Ottawa uh, and then was reignited, um, I believe, in 2016 um, by some local community members who wanted to make it happen and create that space again. Um, yeah. And so Jade and I, you know, were part of the organizing team in 2019 and then... Um, We'd done and have done a number of other stuff together. And I think um, I think I would lovingly say that our organizing style is usually, oh, we should probably do this. And then look at the calendar and realize it's the thing that we want to do would be like three weeks away. And so then we'd say, okay, like, how can we do this? Um, <laughs> and so I think TransFest was uh, one of the most hilarious examples of that um, because um, I don't think Jade or I really went in planning to do much of anything for as like an alternative to our usual march because there was this whole like global pandemic thing happening. I think we had like a random conversation at one point about a week and a half to two weeks before, um, you know, the march would usually take place. Um, and I think without even really knowing what we were committing ourselves to, we started by saying, uh, I think we wanted to do a virtual community dinner as, as the first thing. Um, and from there, uh, you know, within the course, over the course of the next week and a half, we had you know, 12 or 13 different events organized. We were working with a bunch of different partners and TransFest yeah. was suddenly like not just a dinner, but like a fest um, yep. with this whole, you know, not even just Ottawa specific thing going on. Um, and so it just basically like it ran away from us uh, in, in the best kind of ways, because I don't think yeah. going into it, we ever expected it would have been, you know, what it was or it could have been the success that I, that I think it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, Faye pretty much got it spot on, but yeah, no, it, you know, I had sort of been, you know, known for organizing in Halifax. Faye had been known, I even before moving to Ottawa, I was told, no, Faye Johnstone, 
uh, premier organizer in, in Ottawa. And I was like, good to know. So we had already gotten connected prior, but we hadn't met face to face and then we met face to face. And so started getting into things, chatting and whatever. And then I was just, you know, I was involved with uh, in 2018 with the marches mm -hmm. and stuff only as like a, yes. as a speaker. Um, and as, as just as a community member who was new and, 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 and really one of the only um, openly mm -hmm. black trans Mi'kmaq people yeah. in the city. Um, that's very different mm -hmm. now. Um, but at the time, I, was, I, I think I was the only one who was really out and about. Um, and, and, and that really, you know, people were like, oh, Jade, oh, you know. So, <laughs> you know, and, and really when we had organized, when I first got organizing, it was because a bunch of other people, you know, I was, Faye was like, do you want to organize with, the, you know, the march this year? And I was like, uh, in 2019, I was like, yes, like, I would love to. And, and, and part of it was because I, you know, not only did I help lead trans marches mm -hmm. in Halifax um, and, and run them, well, they were called, you know, they were called the Dyke and Trans March, actually, um, for they were combined, uh, very different mm -hmm. than out here. Um, I think they just did an uncombined in 2019, after the year after I had left. Um, but also, I, I was a proponent around organizing in the in the mm. women's march, um, but specifically organizing a counter rally that became bigger than the march, and it was it was a mess. But uh, what well, was a good mess, a happy mess about intersectional yeah. feminism. Um, so 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 I was like immediately, I was like, absolutely, this is my tea. I love it, and and we did run it in the rain. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it was pouring yeah. rain. Uh, and we had organized a dinner at Jack Prasad. And that was one of the biggest things for me. I was like, there needs to be, a, there needs to be, and Faye was like, you, you, yes, we need to have a place for food. And so for me, I was very much about, I really want nourishment. And Faye was very much, was very much of like, but we just can't march without asking or saying anything. And I think this was the huge synergy of being like a component of care and a component of mm -hmm. advocacy. Um, that really, as opposed to just marching and taking up you right. know, Bank Street, uh, you know, so we had a route that ended up in the hill. And then, you know, we had systems for Ubering people, systems for transportation for folks who didn't have it, to be able to have a good meal, you know, and to be able and, and, and sort of, and we had, you know, we were able to do a little bit of fundraising and, and sort of, and we had a little bit of leftover funds. And that was really it. We were like, it's 2020. These funds were supposed to be for the march. And, you know, we were like, this is meant for the yeah. community. And then we were like, okay, what can we, and then of course it was like, oh, well, we can do this. Oh, well, we can do this. And Faye's just like, oh, well, why don't we contact this person? Maybe this person has funding. Maybe this person. And then it, <laughs> it, it just exploded. And, uh, and I'm, and I'm really glad it did because we, were way surprised about how the turnout was beyond what we had expected and you know because usually you know trans community is kind of small you know we expected you know maybe like eight or like you know we were like it's going to be great mm -hmm. if eight people show up yeah. to a session we didn't expect you know anywhere between 15 to yeah. 30 people to show up versus you know even some of our streams we had you know thousands of people watching so it was beyond what we had expected. And I think for us, or at least for me, we knew it was needed. Like we based our, our, our workshops and things based off of what people would want and what people would need, but we didn't actually realize how many people would actually want to access it, you know? Right. And, uh, and, and even then, you know, and, and I just even recently, uh, we had a, you know, we had organized a photo shoot with, um, uh, Adrienne Rose Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and that and and so um, I'm getting this wrong. My brain is, but there was just recently, actually, yeah, um, uh, two um, QT BIPOC photo shoots 
um, that have just recently happened. Um, and, and Adrian, you know, messaged me and was just like, yeah, this is based off of what, you know, what we tried to do in the summertime. And, 100%. And I, and I was so shocked. I was like, this is incredible. I'm so glad that this is happening. And this was it. You know, me and Faye were sitting, you know, and I was still smoking cigarettes at the time. Don't smoke uh, cigarettes, kids. <laughs> and I was on my balcony, and we, you know, and, and me and Faye, you know, we're talking. I think we were on the phone. And, and, yeah. and I was just like, you know, I'm like, why can't we just get professional photo shoots for, you know, for trans folks who literally, yeah. you know, cause I, you know, there's, so, we take, you know, when we feel good, we'll take a selfie or something and post it on Instagram. But, you know, so many trans folks are trying to find work and are yeah. able to have, you know, professional things to put on LinkedIn or their websites or on their mm -hmm. CVs to even feel, you know, like that they also are a professional. And, yeah. and, and even though they are. And so how do you able to provide where people can actually be, you know, have that. And those were the kinds of things that we were thinking just outside of just being like, here's a workshop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Joy, recreation, and also just, you know, opportunities for trans folks that would not get any opportunities elsewhere. And so that, that sort of synthesis, I think, you know, not only from the March last year, but also mm -hmm. recognizing this year, we were like, you know, we were like, okay, I guess we're having a festival. We were e even our, you know, our Facebook page still says Ottawa 2S, you know, 2S yeah. Transgender and Diverse March, you know, I was yeah. an acronym and then I was just like, I'll say it to spirit, <laughs> Trans and Gender Diverse March. But yeah, yeah. it became sort of just like Transfest and, uh, and we organized it within, I think Faye was wrong. We organized it within a week and a half. It was <laughs> very, very short. Logistics. <laughs> right, like the logistics of how do you book a bunch of random people at a bunch of random different times and set them all up with different Zoom links and also different event pages and different promo and like the layers of like, how do you make sure you're responding to everybody? Is this event confirmed? Do we have their bio from the speaker or, or do we have to DM them on Facebook? Like the layers of just like, I think Jade and I both had our heads pop off a little Security. bit during that week and a half. The management of that alone in such a short turnaround um, is incredible. Jade, you bring up such a good point. So um, I'm going to go a little bit back two years before. Um, and uh, we were very fortunate. Car and I were super fortunate to work with Adrian Rose Smith for the To Be Continued show. Um, you know, uh, Adrian is featured in the show, like her work is showed, shown twice. Uh, her beautiful photography uh, for Pride is Political in 2017. Um, um, and then her series on um, uh, thinking through about, um, oh, my gosh, Mad Max and Fur Furiosa, working with Mar Mohammed, um, you know, uh, pictures outside of um, the National Gallery of Canada, actually, around um, uh, when Jordan Peterson was there and the protests that happened. So we were so fortunate to work with her uh, for the last couple of years in anticipation of the show um, opening in September. And it's it's Transfest and the portrait studio and the beautiful resource that this that that particular um, pro, like um, project generated. Like Cara and I were blown away in terms of just how the ripple effects of this resource that that like was configured into um the the fall it was such a beautiful project and adrian was was very kind to work with us to like keep that tradition going so i mean uh like it's such a 
it's it, you're right when we're thinking about like resources and oftentimes if it just gets framed as like workshops or something where information is just soaked in or information is just given out but how do we like make uh, how do we make resources or make things happen that like have like a life outside of that particular moment um as something as simple but also deeply difficult to access like professional photos are so hella expensive um and yet they are an important tool in being able to like find work, being able to like develop this profile. Um, I think like when, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. But like one of the things is like when you add the like, you know, for a trans person to be able to like have a photographer. And I think this is like huge, huge, like I I adore Adrian, like to death and back. Um, (laughs) But like the the fact that to be able to create a space, not only where folks can get those photos, but get those photos in a a way that works for them in a space that they Mm -hmm. know is by and for them um, with a photographer mm-hmm. who you know, isn't going to make a weird look if they adjust a binder or if like, right. you know, if you happen to be stuffing your boobs and something pops up, like, you know, like yeah. the layers of things that you can mm-hmm. do in those moments, the ability to be vulnerable and to actually work t- together with a photographer to do, to create something that works like that is huge. And I think that is something that you know, I'm not, I, and Jade, I am not doing TransFest this year. I'm putting that on the table and on the record now. I am tired, but <laughs> You know, one of the things I want us to think about and see more of down the road is, you know, how do we bring not just a workshop, as you were saying, not just something where we're, you know, we're sharing information, but where folks walk away with something. Like I would love yeah. uh, like a, a, a uh, resume writing workshop for trans folks, like something like that. Mm-hmm. Like trans folks are overwhelmingly poor um, and, you know, let's do access to a resume writing thing where you actually work with somebody to like mm. help frame your experience in different ways and help you get into the job market. Like some of those really practical skills that folks are hard, like it's not easy yeah. to write if you don't know what people are looking for. So like, how do we, how do we build community, but also how do we have folks walk away with things that are useful to them? Not just like abstractly, but practically. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, we're nearing our time and I just wanted to, um, ask if there was like anything else the two of you wanted to speak about or share, um, before we wrap things up today, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I can always talk forever, uh, <laughs> Uh, but uh, I think I, I, I will I will part some closing words, which is uh, good to know, Faye. We hadn't even <laughs> talked about that yet about organizing this year. I also be also taking a step back. Um, but you know, it's it's those types of conversations where it's like, where do we lead to next? How, how are these things? You know, because again, there was a transfest in 2020. There might be one in 2021. There might not be. And so you know, and hopefully, folks will be able to be in person again and yeah. be able to sort of have those sorts of creations and people to be able to self-create and 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 you know and people can access the spaces they they have before and i think that's something that has been really well part of what this transfest was about was how do you connect people when you know most of us are isolated in our own homes and you know and are unable to sort of leave and and we're by ourselves and we're unable to share our experiences and 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 then again, you know, I I even myself as somebody who's been out for a long time, but also still deals with yeah. a lot of dysphoria. I was able to mm-hmm. dis- disguise my dysphoria by socializing and by mm-hmm. being with people and and being out and about, and that was how I masked myself. And 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 so this pandemic took a huge toll on that because uh, I had to be mm-hmm. more stuck with you know the deep innards of of me um and and chronic pain <laughs> so, uh you know and and that's really hard and i and i really am 
be waiting for once this pandemic is over to sort of feel alive again when I see trans folks, you know, and queer folks, you know. One thing I loved about yeah. Ottawa was just seeing openly gay couples just holding hands and embracing and showing love. And that gave yeah. nourishment, even though I may have not known those people and I was just, you know, waiting mm -hmm. to catch a bus or going to, you know, going to the Independent on on, on, on um, Bank of Somerset, you know, the place. So, yeah. You know, I, you know and, and so yeah. I really yearn to sort of, see that again and really have that nourishment and I think you know I I'm very blessed to continue doing advocacy work and, and doing community work through my work at kind space as a director but I um you know uh, but again I think that like a huge thing is really I think for a lot of us is how do we create those monuments of sustainability once this pandemic is over how do we yeah. you know create and these are things that are currently on my mind and especially as somebody who you know is I'm entering back into my art practice again um which is very performance based That's very amazing um, and awesome very uh very particular that requires me to be near people uh, I'm really excited yeah. to sort of see what that looks like and sort of being able to see all the art that explodes, um, especially with people who've been mm -hmm. sort of, we're, we're sort of all like in a stew right now. We're being boiled alive, but our nutrients are, and our, our experiences are being, you know, yeah. it's, you know, you know what's good when you have a nice broth sitting there for a day, the flavor is just ready to explode when it's in the bowl. And so right now, you know, folks are just looking for that ladle to not be in that boiling pot, yeah. but be in a nice, warm and comforting bowl um, that where we can nourish each other. That's a beautiful way to, to wrap things up, Jade. Um, I can't wait to learn and see more about what this new wave of artistic creations will look like for you. I'm excited for you. Um, Faye, did you want to uh, have um, some closing remarks? Mm, um, I think uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of you know what what do I what has what have we left unsaid? Um, but I think I, I really enjoyed you know the conversation on community that we've had here, uh, and I think I'll focus on that because I think you know community is always going to be messy. Community is always going to be you know both wonderful and the worst thing imaginable at like the exact same time within the same like thirty seconds. It'll be great and then hell, um, and that's okay. And you know, I, I've evolved, like my relationship to community is changing. Um, I, you know, during COVID, I've spent more time with my, you know, fiance and my ferrets and my roommates than I thought I would. And I, I've been happy with that. Like, I think, you know, community gives us so much and I miss so many aspects of, you know, seeing people 100%. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think, you know, we, community it doesn't have, is, isn't always everyone's everything, um, mm -hmm. but being part of community is always something. Yeah. Um, and so I think we all deserve and we are we are all like if there's no way not to be connected to community. Um, but I, I think that, you know, we all will always have a hard and complicated relationship with community because community is, is a microcosm of our toxic society. And so I think, yeah. you know, it's hard to navigate that. And I don't think that it will ever be easy. And I don't think there will. I mean, I, I, I imagine a world where it could be easy and I think that we can get there. Yeah. But it's going to suck a little bit in, the, in between. Um, and so I would say, you know, community. We, we can't let ourselves be um, controlled by what we're worried community might say or think. Like, we, we can do this work and we can be the people that we want to be um, and be in the spaces that we want to be in um, without, all, like, I, I don't I do not know where I'm going at this point, but 
community is complicated. It definitely <laughs> is. I want to thank both of you for your time, you sharing your stories, your energy with me. I so appreciate it. Um, and I'm so looking forward to just seeing whatever other iterations of co-collaborations come in the future. And I just want to thank you both a lot. Well, thank you so much for having me and us. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thank you. To be continued, a Stonecraft Symposium podcast is produced by Finn and Anna Shahawk. Special thanks to today's speakers, Jade Bayard Peak and Faye Johnstone. The music is composed by Zen Man on Pixabay. The podcast is part of Carleton University Art Gallery's Virtual Stonecraft Symposium. The symposium is organized in conjunction with the exhibition To Be Continued Troubling the Queer Archive, curated by Anna Shahak and Cara Tierney, and presented at the gallery September 2020 to May 2021. The exhibition and podcast expands conversations around local queer histories and futures. We are grateful for the support of Carleton University, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Ontario Arts Council, and the Stonecraft Foundation for the Arts. The Stonecraft Foundation promotes education in the visual arts and fosters the public's appreciation of the visual arts. Find out more about the Stonecraft Symposium by visiting qag.ca. That's C-U-A-G dot C-A.